All right, so today I'm watching my redneck dad, uh, Dave Ramsey, be a total chode. And um, now, I've never watched this video. At least I don't think I have. Um, and the title of it is called, Is There Such a Thing as Good Debt? To be honest, um, I kind of got to think about that real quick. Let's, let's think about this real fast. Is there such a thing as good debt? So my personal opinion before we watch the video is this. I do believe that there can be good debt. Um, I think a fixed rate 30-year mortgage for a house isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, you want to make sure that when you get a house, though, um, when you get the house and when you get the mortgage, you do want to make sure that you get the house at a spanking deal, at a really good deal, basically. Um, you want to get it while the housing market is crashing. It's definitely, obviously, a crashing market is a great market to buy. But uh, let's see what my boy Dave Ramsey has to say. I'm older than you, boy. Let's see what he has to say. Robert is in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hey, Robert, welcome to the Dave Ramsey Show. Come on, Dave. What do Hi, you say? Dave. Hope you're having a good day. I am, sir. How can we help? Well, Dave's going to crush I your am, dreams. Uh, let me start by saying I'm a new listener, so I'm not super familiar with the baby steps. Uh, but I, you know, I've been kind of intrigued about the idea of kind of eliminating all debt. Uh, but my question was really more revolving around the idea: Is there such thing as good debt if the interest rate is low enough? Uh, and you know, let's just say, for example, I have enough cash to pay off a substantial amount of debt, but that cash is busy with investments currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be better off to pay off some low interest debt or let the you know the money? stay with those investments and you know they make money in those investments that is greater than the interest rates i guess is a way to describe it it's a great question and uh one that a lot of people have asked over the years um i used to uh kind of subscribe to the same thing because i'm a math nerd and the idea that if i could borrow if i if my mortgage rate is three percent and i can mm-hmm. put money in a mutual fund and it makes me ten percent then i made a seven spread why would i not mm-hmm. do that all day long hmm. Sure. That's the same kind of a thing that you're saying, right? Okay. Correct. Yeah, yeah, so Dave, example, what are you saying, you know, man? I, a, I got it. It's not a bad Colorado, idea. And we own a, a warehouse, oh, and so idea, there's man. a very big loan against said warehouse. Yep. Yep. Uh, but the interest rate, uh, fortunately, you know, yep. the coronavirus did work out well for this one. It was only 2.5%. Ta-da. <laughs> um, there we go. Okay, now, that's yeah. exactly <laughs> what I'm coming to. What yeah. I discovered, uh, and you're a new mm-hmm. listener, so you don't know the whole story. Yo, okay, so I gotta interrupt my boy Dave right now. So check this out, Dave. If you have a portfolio of diver a diversified portfolio of companies that happen to pay a dividend, usually if if you're buying during a bear market, a lot of those dividend yields, those annual yields, can match the interest rates. At least from what I've been able to tell with my with my projections. Me personally, I've been buying tons of great companies that happen to pay a dividend um, during the bear market. And their yields go up so much, obviously, because, well, the lower the stock price, the cheaper the dividend for me. The dividend amount doesn't change, so Realty Income is a great example. Realty Income pays $0.25 cents per month until they raise it, or about roughly $0.25. Cents. I'm off on the math. Anyways, roughly $0.25 cents per month, right? Well, if the stock price is currently, I don't know, 60 bucks. And let's say the yield is like, I don't know, 4.8% annual yield, right? I don't know if that's exactly what it is. Anyway, when the when the price of realty income goes down, for instance, in stock value, the uh, yield 
percentage goes up. What I'm trying to get at is this, that if during this bear market, man, this is a good time to buy companies that pay a dividend because you're getting the dividend on the cheap. I'm not saying you can get like Realty Income's dividend at like a 7% yield. Um, I think the highest that I've seen the yield for Realty Income as an example is like 5.2% annual yield. But my point is, is that you could, if as long as you have companies that have consistent cash flows, it doesn't matter what their stock price does, as long as you're willing to accept the dividends to maybe pay the interest rate. I don't know. It's a thought. It's a thought. You still have to pay taxes on your dividends though, but whatever. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, but... That's how I would think about it, but I don't know. Stinking story, but I started buying and selling okay. real estate in my 20s, starting from nothing. Sure. I had $4 million worth. I was a millionaire when I was 26. Then I mm. lost it all because the loans got called by the banks, and my theory of making the spread all went to kaput because I got zero out of it. I ended up bankrupt at 28, and I got mm. the opportunity to start over, which made me question my former theory. Here's the thing, man. As long as you have stocks that have constant cash flows, like constantly pay like a dividend, that's not a bad thing. It's it, you're the whole goal of having assets is to have them pay for your other liabilities. That's my opinion, at least. And then you can still hold on to your assets forever as long as they could give you some sort of return. Um, that's one of the reasons why I rack up on so many different companies. But anyway, let's, let's go on. Let's go on. Peace. Because sure. my former theory didn't work. What I had left out of my theory... What most people leave out of this theory that you and I are discussing, Tell the three percent versus the ten percent mutual fund, the seven percent spread appears to be there. What we leave out of that theory is risk. Sure. And mathematically, if you install risk into the equation, it starts to dilute or do away with the spread. In other types of investments, in sophisticated investment analysis on, for instance, an aggressive growth stock mutual fund compared to a uh, growth and income stock mutual fund, the aggressive is much more volatile, much more risky. The uh, traditional mutual fund, the growth and income, is much less risky, has a lower uh, peaks and valleys if you chart it. You follow me? Yeah. Yeah, So you would never high-risk volatile fund rate of return, apples to Mm -hmm. apples, with a lower risk, less volatile return. So you might make a 10% on that growth in income. You might make 22 on that aggressive, but you don't compare them the same because we don't compare the roulette wheel with a CD. We adjust for risk. And what happens in what you're discussing is we forget to adjust for risk. So I learned the hard way that risk is real, and people learned it again in 2008, and they learned it again Mm -hmm. with COVID this year that risk is mm-hmm. real, and that when you have debt, you are susceptible to getting your freaking head taken off. And well, I agree. I, yeah, my question is in regard to that. And I, just, and um, so I consequently you know, decided to be and live debt-free as the shortest path to becoming and staying wealthy. Yeah, well, I can't go, well, that way there is no risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or very little. Sure. You know, much. Le- yeah. There's other risks, but it's not the banks. You know, it, we're not going to get foreclosed on. Sure. At all. Now, do I buy fewer things because of that? Yeah, because it takes more money. I don't have the, mm-hmm. you know, I don't own as many buildings. I own a bunch, own several hundred million dollars worth of real estate nowadays. But I, you know, but that doesn't, but I, a couple of billion if I leveraged the same amount of equity into stuff. Uh, and, and But then I would be up at night when COVID hits. I'd be up at night when 2008 hits. I'd be up at night when Trump gets. And this is why I say a well-diversified portfolio of stocks 
in my opinion. Now, sure, there are lulls in the market. There are times when the market crashes. I get it. As long as you have great companies and you're diversified across the multiple sectors of the market, um, I don't see any problem with that. Oh, no, I don't think you should use your stocks. I don't think you should use like any dividend payouts and stuff like that to pay for like any of your real estate. So, I mean, if you need to, you need to, obviously, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of 50, 50 on Dave with this one. I, I do believe that some mortgage is okay. Um, I, I don't, I just don't think you should really own a super, super nice house. Just make sure you own a house that isn't, uh, where the walls are not caving in, I guess, but okay. I'm kind of curious here. Testing one, two, one, two, one, two, I got, I swear to Christ, my uh, decent man, but it's sometimes a pain in the butt. But yeah, anyway, so Dave, uh, like what you're putting out there, but I don't know. I just don't know. Anyway, that's uh, my boy Dave Ramsey. I mean, he's got some points, I, I admit. I think if you're so here's the thing he's looking at it from the he's looking at it from the appreciation price of all the stocks in a mutual fund when he really should be looking at the consistency of companies that well companies that pay a consistent dividend that have the ability to do so without taking out a loan to pay the dividend. Um, this is something I talk about quite a bit and I don't know I just I love cash flow. That's one of the reasons why I love a great company that has constant earnings, that is willing to pay a dividend, and that can pay a dividend. That's important, by the way. Can and willing are two different concepts. So if they can pay it and they're willing, great. If they're willing to pay it but they don't have the means to pay it, that's bad, especially they'll see companies that will take a shareholder dividend, which is bad. That's uh, it's, in my opinion, pretty fraudulent. But I say, hey, if you need to cut the dividend for a bit, that's fine. That's why I have a well-diversified portfolio. I understand that certain companies I may own may cut their dividends either permanently or not at all, or maybe just a little bit, you know. You can never fully guarantee, <clears throat> you can never fully <laughs> guarantee that you're always going to get a dividend. But look, dividends are important. Um, and as long as you have a, as long as you have a well-diversified portfolio, you're always going to have some form of, at least with, with company, great companies that pay a, a, a dividend of some kind. It doesn't even have to be a big dividend. Like a lot of companies I own, it, as long as they have great cash flows, like actual good earnings, and they're not like riddled in debt and they pay a dividend, even a small one. Okay. I'll accept it. At least you're a high quality company that shows growth and appreciation over time, excluding, including the dividend, I should say, including. So, I don't know. I got mixed feelings about that video. But, yeah, overall, Dave's on the, has the, I don't know, Dave's on the, kind of on the right track, kind of on the wrong track. I don't know how to gauge it. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to weigh it out in my head a little bit more. But, anyway, later, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>